The following podcast may contain content that is not suitable for all ages or sensitive ears. Please be responsible. Thank you, and donkey. As an additional disclaimer, please take note that the following podcast is exceptionally intense and somewhat disturbing. Hello, Save Them family. Landon here, and welcome to this episode of the Save Them podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. And we are going to tackle the very lovely and very uplifting uh, topic this week of satanic cults. So um, this is something that's come on our plate, uh, as I've mentioned in some previous podcasts, uh, over the the past couple years, things that the National Prosecuting Authority has asked us to tackle in South Africa, and the um the issue of satanic cults as we're addressing it here is, is a bit different from the the muti murders that we talked about last time where we talked about the the witch doctors and the cultural practices of uh making sacrifices to the ancestors and all of that well this when it comes to satanic cults are a little bit different the satanic cults themselves um, are more grounded in Satanism itself, and um, they are uh, more under the umbrella of the occult, uh, which would mean hidden groups, okay, different types of groups within the occult. Um, but satanic cults in South Africa have a long history, and it goes back to Europe. Um, and it goes back to uh, the Dark Ages when black masses were being offered uh, basically uh, by, you know, people who were very hostile to the church. And they wanted to blaspheme uh, the Lord. They wanted to blaspheme Jesus. And they wanted to stick it to the Catholic Church. And that goes way back into the Middle ages and uh, a lot of that stuff carried forward to this day it it takes different shapes and forms Um, you have groups out there calling themselves the the church of satan uh, which is a very explicit kind of thing where you know um, the the basic basic operating principle there is do what you want and do what thou wilt and uh, everything goes right um, well, what you know is that with any kind of moral framework or lack thereof, such as that, uh, it has limits and it goes, uh, kind of bankrupt pretty quickly, but the practitioners of, of such a thing do have goals and objectives and, uh, goals of worship and goals of practice for their worship. And what you're starting to see around the world is that the very explicit, Church of Satan, Temple uh, of Set, different things like that are trying to normalize their practices and introduce actual animal sacrifice and actually uh, human sacrifice via uh, the abortion trade um, in different countries. You'll actually see billboards in different parts of the world where uh, they're actually saying that abortion should be legalized because it's a protected religious right of the Satanist uh, to abort their children as a sacrifice to Satan. 
And if you don't believe this is happening, you should spend five minutes online and look up um, satanic billboards for abortion and you'll see it. I mean, it's, I've actually driven past these before. (laughs) And so they are very real. This is not some episode of some show somewhere. Uh, These are real spiritual uh, things that are manifesting in the carnal, in the physical, right in front of us. So so that's that that's kind of the more formal side of satanic cults. Um then you have kind of the very self-styled uh satanic cult activities which tend to uh gravitate a little bit more towards a guru cult kind of things and um and that actually is is very much the the documentary I want to share with you today uh regarding a a group a cult uh which was grounded in satanism but was very much centered around a guru uh who then worked out their um their religious beliefs and their abil- efforts to appease the the group leader and the religious calling of satanism through acts of murder as sacrifice and loyalty so um you know you actually We'll find practices such as as that in things like gangs, where they have gang warfare, gang allegiance, all of that. But the thing about satanic cults is they're very much grounded in the service of Satan. They very much want to worship him. And uh, they're doing this not just to gain their own powers, but also to play a role in Satan's army and to gain his favor. So that's part of what they believe uh, the other part of this um, that people, when it comes to satanic cults, um, people maybe won't be as aware of would be things like actual Luciferians. So actual Luciferians, you won't know them. They're very much within the occult. They're very hidden. They're behind the scenes. Um, their allegiance to Lucifer runs deep. Um, they will very much believe that they are part of the bloodline of Satan. And, um, that's a long story, but, um, and, but that they are basically setting the groundwork for the troops of the Antichrist and the, there's a bloodline and a, and kind of a military aspect to that. Uh, and they they very much believe that we are close to the times of Armageddon. So their um, perspective is that we are in the end of the end of days and that they are the troops that will war against Jesus Christ. So their perspective is very much anti-Christ. It, that's the... If there was no Christ to be anti against, they, they probably wouldn't have a mission. So um, they very they so that they very much are Luciferian. They are sons and daughters of Lucifer. Um, but you know, if you saw them on the street, or if you saw them in your church, by the way, they are going to look like the really nice man and lady who everybody loves and who you know they. Um, they're, they're the ones that you can go to and they very much exude what society would believe is a very, let's say, Christian life or something. But meanwhile, they have spent their whole lives infiltrating the church uh, so that they can ultimately undermine it and break it down. So, um, and not to make you paranoid, but this is, this, these are their goals. This is what these groups uh, want to do. And going after the body of Christ is a direct 
attack on Jesus. So that's their goal. So don't be surprised by these things and don't pretend like they don't exist because <laughs> they do exist. Um, but just because you're not familiar with it, which is a good thing, doesn't mean it's not real. Right. So we have to, I think all of us are challenged with that a lot of times. You know, you hear something that you think, ah, that's just from movies or whatever. Um, maybe that's because you've only ever watched movies. I mean, really, it, if you were in the real world interfacing with folks who believe these things, then you would know that what they believe is what they believe. And it doesn't really matter what you believe. It matters what they believe. And they're acting out on their beliefs. And we're going to hear about that in today's documentary about um, the Krugersdorp killings in South Africa, where a satanic cult went awry. <laughs> Not that they all don't go awry, but you know what I mean. So, um, and then, you know, next time in our next podcast, we're going to tackle uh, a different kind of uh, cult activity, uh, which is a little more visible, which are the areas of the false prophets. And uh, that is a big, big problem in Africa specifically, um, also crossing into the United States and Britain. So we'll, we'll touch on that next time. Um, but yeah, as we give you the, the, the framework within which we are operating the fight against human trafficking, what you have to understand is that it takes all different forms. Um, you know, Satan has lots of denominations in which he is willing to use human beings and to abuse them, destroy them, hurt them, uh, to basically uh, feed his desires to destroy the creation. And so none of these things should be surprising. And they're also none of these things are things that we should fear. Uh, because uh, he is defeated at the cross. And so we stand victorious to any of the wiles of Satan. Um, but it is important for us to know what their motivations are and how they operate so that we can see it, so we can uncover it. You know, we've uh, we've had several victims who have come through our safe houses who had no, uh, no um, identification, no history. They were never registered in their country. Uh, and this has happened in many different countries, uh, ones that you'd be surprised to hear of, uh, namely first world countries. Um, but yeah, and the reality is there are children that are born into these satanic cult circles and other occult networks, and they are used and they are trafficked specifically to serve false gods. And we stand against that at every turn, and we aim to find these children, to make them known, and for them to know Jesus. Uh, that is that is our goal, and um, therefore we don't shy away from even issues like satanic cults, <laughs> um, as nasty as that can be. So I'm going to go ahead and hand this over uh, to a group called MM Live. They did a nice little documentary. What I will say is there's some um, some foreign language stuff in here because of uh, it being in South Africa. For example, it opens up with a lady speaking in Afrikaans. And uh, if you don't speak Afrikaans, you're not going to understand her 30-second segment. Uh, that's why I put the link to the video in the description box of the podcast. So you can actually watch the video of this. It'll help you uh, to see the subtitles and know what's being said. Um, but I will tell you, as she opens up, this is actually the mother of the the accused who is saying, hey, you know, um, I don't believe she did anything. My daughter did anything. I think she's 100% innocent. And 
Uh, I can't even go shopping in my town because everybody thinks I'm the mother of a murderer. Meanwhile, I think she's totally innocent. Uh, that's her side of this. That's her view. And um, I think the court system uh, has found otherwise. So we will hear a little bit about that in this documentary. Um, all of the accused here have now been sent to prison uh, for their um, collaboration in these murders. So, okay. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Save Them podcast and doing your part to be educated about the world of human trafficking in all its forms, not just in the ones that we find comfortable. So thank you to you all. And we will talk to you next time. This is Landon out. Cheers. I was on which was all coming land for this. This is very hard. Zach just went berserk and started stabbing them. That was not how we planned to do it. He was unconscious but still alive when they set the car on fire. And I know he fought every second to come home to me and my daughter. Admitting what I had done and how sorry I am doesn't bring them back. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Well, let us live on in Algemaak. I'm four years old, I'm going to get in here, Scopey. I can you know, Fad, then you'll be so with me. And you'll be the president. So let me see, spookle in my gezicht. Then I'll be my mother and her mom. So let me know the day weer gezien, man. I'll be my life long drunk to steer. But I can never in my life say, I'm going to be here, good, what I'm not going to be. Want dan gaan my kinders denk jy aan my ma is 'n moordenaar. Sy sê en ek is nie. Ek glo 100% in onskuld. Wat 'n ouer wil sy kind in die tronkie? I can honestly say I've spent the better part of 3 years numb. Zach and Cecilia and Miranda taught me a very hard lesson that you can never look at somebody who has a good job and a house and a car and children in primary school and speak about God and you can never know for sure that they're good people. Two families on opposite sides of one of South Africa's most unique murder cases. It all began at the Kasana block of flats in Krugersdorp. Two separate flats were home to maths teacher Marinda Steyn, her teenage children Leroux and Marcel, as well as Cecilia Steyn. In the late 2000s, they, along with Zach Valentine, his wife Michaela, and John Barnard, joined Ria Grunewald's Overcomers Through Christ Christian group. Overcomers Through Christ, the first time I found out about them was approximately 2007. They used to come to the school and then in, um, in, 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 in recess time, in the hall, they used to sing songs and tell the people about Jesus Christ win souls and try and get the children involved. In July 2012, tensions began to rise between Ria and Cecilia, who were involved in a romantic relationship. A new splinter group called Electus Perdius, or Chosen by God, was formed. According to court testimony, Cecilia was the group's leader. 
I don't have an e-book. Well, I might have an e-book to one. Hang on. Um. <laughs> It's Cecilia. Sorry, I thought it was Celia. No, it's Cecilia. I miss our regular Tuesday walks. I miss asking you what to do. I miss the way you will tease me. I miss our late night horlicks. Oh, it's my kind. Oh, so. Dat zij een van die gevonnenste mensen ze kleren aan en alle dag kleren aan. Ze was een gehoorzame kind en ik had nooit problemen met haar gehad. Cecilia heeft niet geleerd. Als ze onderscheiding krijgt, ze was wel een goede man, nog steeds. De grootste fout wat ze gemaakt heeft, is dat zij met Maria, met Maria die elkaar. I got to the point where I realized that um, this is not about Christianity, this is not about Jesus, you know, it's not about saving souls. It was very dark, um, it was, it, it, it felt evil, and so we left. For me it was just a general sense of unease. Uh, when you go to visit somebody's house, it's not socially acceptable to take them through to your bedroom. Um, the way Leroux and Marcel, as I've previously said, would just go and sit on the floor, almost like obedient dogs or children. Um, Cecilia's husband was never present during the conversations. It's, I got the sense that he was afraid of her. Now, working at the Cradle of Hope, Candace Ellison and her fiancé, Jared Jackson, were recovering from drug addiction in Krugersdorp. They were selling sweets to make a living when they met Cecilia Stain. She bought all the stock, all the chips and sweets and suckers and everything, no problem. And we thought we were very lucky that night. Uh, you know, we'd met somebody that was, we felt we'd met somebody that was kind. The Electus Padillas group, seemingly under instruction from Cecilia, started targeting members of the Overcomers Through Christ group. Slash tires, fertilizer bombs, and threatening messages eventually led to the start of the four-year killing spree. On July 26, 2012, 33-year-old Natasha Berger and her 66-year-old neighbor Joy Buenzayer were stabbed to death in their homes in Centurion. Marinda, her daughter, Zak and Michaela, had to one day to get out. We had to get a brief letter that said, Natasha, come see me, this is Tani Joy. Tata se bele is kom die papierkje op haar deur gekry en nog die kaarse boot oopgeloos dadelijk na Tani Joy toe geloop want sy het nie geweet wat is die probleem nie. Met die inkom glo ek um, hulle het haar met hamer gekap. Die aanval was so breedaardig en vinnig gewees dat um, sy het nog met die papierkje in die hand gelem met haar oor oop. On August 13, 2012, Pastor Reginald Mendixon from the Overcomers Through Christ group was killed in his home in Honeydew. He made her a very bitter person, yes. So had to be killed? I decided so, yes. I wanted also to feel what it feels like to kill someone, and I wanted to kill him. Dressed in police uniform and disguises, Mirinda, Zach and Marcel entered Ben Dixon's home. Ben Dixon was hit with an axe before being stabbed to death. Marcel had to stand and look at him to Zij um, was niet betrokken daar nie, maar zij het gestaan en kijk. Het was een adrenaline rush to be there. Het was scary, but exciting at the same time. 
and to actually do it I felt the release after doing it like I've never felt before in my life. Continued threats including petrol bombs and cars covered in animal intestines led to the overcomers through Christ group being dissolved. Michaela Valentine also wanted out but her desire to leave cost her her life. Before that day um, Zauk and I spoke and he told me that um, she wants to go to the police and she's not happy but even before that he was not happy with her either because she was unfaithful to him so the two of the things together he felt that if he had to kill her he would make a mess of it on october 4 2012 23 year old michaela valentine was drugged by her own husband before being hit with a hammer and stabbed more than 60 times with the overcomers through Christ group dissolved and any threat of someone going to the police gone, the group soon found themselves battling another problem. Cecilia is a man who worked, so there is a cost to buy. And Marinda had to pay her school salary, so she foresee it. But as a result of Cecilia's life style and all her sicknesses and sickness, everything was going to be destroyed. On November 27, 2012, Peter and Joan Meyer were lured to a business meeting at their home. The plan was to rob them and bind them and put them in the pool. The pool didn't have water in it before. So at a point when everybody was comfortable sitting and talking, I said, um, this is not going to work for me. And I took out the gun and I said, lie down. And um, um, <laughs> we bound them with a, with a, between Zaka and I, between us, we bound them with a, cable ties. But he started acting weird. Zach just went berserk and he started stabbing them. And I basically went into shock because that was not how we planned to do it and we didn't know where the money was yet. With Zach Valentine having worked at Discovery Life, a plan was made to fake his death in order to cash out a just over 3.5 million rand life insurance policy. The only obstacle, who would be used as Zach's body double. On the 16th of December, he went out in the morning and then he came back and, and he was in a good mood. Uh, things were going well for us at that stage. Things were looking up and uh, he kind of very casually said, yeah, I bumped into Cecilia and Zach and they asked if I could help them later on this afternoon. And I went, oh, all right, uh, help them with what? And he went, I don't know, they just asked me for help. Do you mind if I just refer to him as Zach? Yes. yes. Um, passed away on the 16th of December last year yes. in Pietrastein in the Free State from a car accident, a car burnt. Yes. Is yes. that right? The day before he went to go fly fishing in Plans. Okay. So he left, no, I mean he left here at about 6, so we took him like 4 hours later, he should be there. I had a sick feeling in my chest and I watched the sunrise the next morning, heard the birds singing and he still wasn't home. And I started SMSing Cecilia. She's the only person whose number I had. Uh, Please, can you send me Zach's number? Jared's not home. I just want to know what's going on. And she didn't respond, didn't respond. 44-year-old Jared Jackson was drugged, strangled by Larry Stein, before being left to burn in a car next to the road in Pietrastein in the Free State. Cecilia was in tears. I was absolutely horrified. And I went, and Jared, where's Jared? And she went, no, no, Zach was on his own. Jared never came. And after, I think about the third or fourth day, I kept going back there to see if she'd heard any news. And she finally said, you know what, Jared's probably left you for another woman, just get over it. And they said the body was 
Um, then taken to. to was it? It was Bethlehem, hey? Yes, that's the According to authorities, a dodgy deal was made, a morgue official forged a signature, and the death certificate for Zach Valentine was later issued. In the meantime, Zach Valentine went into hiding. But unfortunately for the group, authorities were onto them and the policy was never paid out. The group resorted back to their old ways. On January 27, 2016, 57-year-old tax consultant Glenn McGregor was killed at his home around Runfontein. 60-year-old insurance broker Anthony Schofield was killed on May 10, 2016. Father-to-be Kevin McAlpine was killed on May 26, 2016. On May 30, 2016, Yuan Alad Khan was the group's last victim. The last three victims were all killed in an apartment at Kasana Flats before their bodies were thrown into the boots of different cars. The cars would then either be abandoned at a random location or the victim's body dumped next to the side of the road. It all came crumbling down for the group one night in May of 2016. A CCTV camera close to the local spa captured two teens in balaclavas withdrawing money from one of the deceased's bank accounts. Colonel Gert Kruger had the kids on Facebook ook opgespoor. Toe het hy dit vir Amanda Steenkamp gee, vrouwe adjudant, wat gezicht samenstellings doen. En toe het sy hulle 100% precies gelink en gesê, dit is die twee persoene wat die geld vertrek het. Within a few weeks, all of the other suspects were arrested. Having allegedly had an affair with Cecilia, Marinda Stein drew up a new will, leaving everything in her possession to Cecilia Stein. The Rue gave a new version explaining all the details of the horrific killing spree. As gevolg van die testament het Lerunov my gesê, hy hulle die mense vermoor in die woonstel, toe na die woonstel toe vergaan. Ek het die ander vier wapens goed binnen in die woonstel gekryk. Daar was baie vlakke op die mat. En dis toe ek die forensische mense gekryk om die bloestaar te kom spuit. En daar het ons Skullfieldse bloed gekryk saam met Lerusin. John Barnard, Marinda Stein and LaRue Stein are all currently serving various sentences ranging from 20 years to more than 11 life sentences. While the remaining three are said to be sentenced on August 12, 2019, they were found guilty on charges including murder, fraud and intimidation. I know that um, me testifying and telling the truth and admitting what I had done and how sorry I am doesn't bring them back. And I, I realized that it doesn't take the pain away. And that you, you, you're gonna walk with that for the rest of your life and I contributed to that. And all I can say is I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs>
Hey folks, uh, Landon here again. I, I know I checked out, but um, I just wanted to cycle back uh, with just a, one thing to think about uh, now that you've you've heard that or watched it. Um, it's an interesting thing that I want to point out that society, when it's pushing stuff out into the general public, rarely, if at all, actually highlights the, the satanic aspects of what happens in a network of killings or mass murders or whatever. And uh, the satanic piece is usually dust under the rug, dusted under the rug. Um, I don't know why, really. I mean, you can kind of come up with theories and uh, imagine why that would be. But uh, it, it just, it's like people just don't want to go there. They just don't want to talk about raw, spiritual, evil motivation for crime. And I think one thing that's very hard for people to come to grips with, and you, you might remember this from the Muti Murders podcast, is that there are just some people who very intentionally do things without remorse. They just, they're just evil. They just serve Satan. They don't see the world the way that you and I do. Um, they are motivated to pursue the workings of evil. And that is that is how they function. That's how they operate. That's how they think. There's, there's no light in them at all. Just darkness. And um, does that mean that those people cannot be brought over to the light? No, it doesn't. Um, but for that to happen, it's going to have to be a miracle work of the Lord. <laughs> No doubt, because they are not in a place, they are not in an environment where the light can feature because their world is dark unto dark. So one of the big pieces of the backbone of the Krugersdorp killings was um, this kind of, you know, they, they referred to it in the, um, they use the word Christ a lot and all of this in the expose. Um, but that, that really wasn't the backbone of what was going on. Um, it was very much an in-your-face blasphemous use of Christian terminology or Jesus terminology um, intentionally, but that, that's not really what was going on. And so when, when society looks at things on face value, they just take it as, oh, you know, this is some kind of weird thing, blah, blah, blah. They excuse it away. Oh, that's just a crazy person, whatever it doesn't really get to the core of what's going on, which is really coordinated pursuit of evil and serving Satan. And, oh, by the way, they got caught. Right? So that, that's more of how these things work out. In fact, um, we have uh, case files uh, for works that we've done in the U.S. with uh, there was a guy named Jeffrey Dahmer. And, um, man, horrible stuff people found in his fridge, all this kind of stuff. And one thing that the public probably knows nothing about, if you ever ask anybody who actually knows the Dahmer case, you know, what was his motivation, whatever, and they're like, and they'll just say, oh, ah, he, crazy or messed up, or he, you know, lone wolf. They always say, lone wolf. Well, actually, um, Dahmer had uh, cones of power in his residence, 
made out of the skulls of his victims. And that is actually a ritual, an occult ritual thing, uh, where you build a cone of power and you summon demons and you do rituals and all these kinds of things. So satanic worship, worship of Lucifer, or whatever you want to call it, was at the core of, of his crimes. And uh, so is the case here. So I just want to highlight this because um, we're never going to get documentaries out of the public sphere that talk about what really happened or why things really happened. Um, they're always only going to focus on the publicly available info, which is basically what is presented to a court system, which is basically just the evidentiary crime, which is going to be murder and killing, which the system is then able to put remove these people from society. Uh, it's not going to really go to the root of the issue, which is the the worship of Satan and the networks that support that. Now, granted, in this guru-type Satanism, you have a central person, the Cecilia person, who exploited um, all of this. And you see a lot of anti-biblical behavior going on with different relationships and um, different uh, desires to pursue evil that Cecilia was able to exploit in her network. Um, you know, the stealing and just all these horrible things, which are obviously against the Ten Commandments, Um but that was the modus operandi because that is the core of who they are. So anyhow, I just wanted to chime back in on that. Um, I think we all get the idea. Um, and I hope that that occurred to you as you went through the documentary. Because I introduced it as a, a satanic cult. And then the documentary is basically talking about a, an abusive cult of people who ended up murdering lots of folks. Well... True, but not the whole truth. So there you have it. Okay, we will catch you next time. And this time, this really is landing out. Cheers.